like that. What is up, what everybody, and welcome that. to it's this like Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, we made it to Friday of the new year, which means it's going pretty damn good right now. Let's give everybody a round of applause for making it to the seventh day of January. Now, that doesn't change the fact that it's freaking cold, and we're at the point now in the months of the year, early stage of the year, when, like late in the year and early the next year are always the worst months ever because you see the worst drivers ever and you see the worst weather conditions ever it's awful i hate it with every fiber of my being i do not and after i plowed snow for a few years i have hated it even more as a kid yeah i, I mean you get no school there's a, there's not a high percentage chance that you miss school or get a day off from school during the spring or the fall unless there's like a tornado or something but we don't usually have those. Like, what you are wishing and hoping for is a snowstorm. Because you can stay home, you can hang out with your friends, you can do everything you want. But once you reach the point of where you're starting to drive like a normal person, snow starts to suck. And right now, though it's not snowing anymore, it's freaking cold. It's miserable out right now. And we're at the point right now where the temperature is going to be colder than what the date is on the calendar. By the time this show goes out, it's going to be like, eight. if we're talking about the temperature versus the date on the calendar. So it's the seventh day of January. So we're looking at the number seven here. It's like Sesame Street here. You're looking at the seventh day of the calendar of the year. It's going to be like negative one to a possible zero, maybe even colder by the time this show gets put out on social media, it's going to be frigid. It's going to be a chilly one, and I despise it. I really despise it. And we started the show on Wednesday talking about it. But it wasn't this cold Wednesday. No, 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 no. I mean, it was getting there. It was pretty cold Wednesday. It was definitely reaching single digits at the time. And then, like, when I record the show, the snow was melting. And the snow, to a certain extent, has started to dissipate a little bit. Which is really nice. You have to see the grass every now and again. You don't want to go around just looking at snow all the time. Maybe some people do. I, I don't know. Some people out there really like it. I don't know why, but some people might really like it. But man, I need it to be done. I'm tired of being cold. It's I've, I've reached my limit. It has been about, I don't know, six to seven days of freezing temperatures. And I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. I love the jack, like the sweatshirt and shorts weather. I think that's the best season ever. That's the best. But sadly, we are stuck here in this frigid temperature where the date is actually warmer than the actual temperature outside. And to make matters worse, for me personally, I don't know if this is TMI or anything, but I threw up in my hand upstairs right before the show started. How does that happen? I'm not sick or anything. Like, that's the weird part. I feel perfectly fine. Maybe not all there mentally, but physically, my stomach feels fine. I don't, like, not say I don't have a fever. I was like coughing and laughing and I ate, maybe it was because I ate my dessert too fast right after my dinner. I ate a bowl of ice cream right after we had tacos. Maybe that was a thing. And I was like, wow, this cough feels like it's a little, a little phlegmy, a little phlegmy, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, yeah, it was a little more than phlegm and it was the color of the ice cream, which was like a, uh, like a chocolate vanilla-y color. So it was like light brown. Not great. Not a great color you want to see just sitting in the palm of your hand. It's not really... And especially when you've got other things in your mouth. you got a piece of candy in your mouth. Yeah, it's... Oh, wow. This is not looking great for me health-wise. 
It's looking pretty terrible, actually. I don't know if there's any health gurus out there that are listening to the show and are a little scared for my well-being. I would just like to start off by saying I'm fine. (laughs) I am a-okay as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I am GTG. Good to go. Just like the show is. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's show, let's start off by going over a couple housekeeping things. Make sure you're following me on all forms of social media. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Make sure you have the word the in it and the numero uno at the end of that as well. Uh, Facebook, go search the Logan Blackman Show pop-up, give it a like. Or YouTube, same thing. And you're listening to it right now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so make sure you are following it on there. And again, while you're already following the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account, give it a rating on Apple Podcasts with the five stars. I'd greatly appreciate it. Maybe leave some notes underneath. Maybe leave a description about how good or terrible the show is. I don't know. Because I we were listening to a show yesterday. So I got in my dad's truck. We went to go get Northern Lights Pizza the other day. And they're not sponsoring the show, sadly. But if they were, you know, I, I'd be for it. I like myself some Northern Lights Pizza. And I really like the breadsticks. So, you know, I'd be all for that. We're going to this. We're going to Northern Lights Pizza. We got gas. We're going to Northern Lights Pizza now. And I'm sitting in the car and I'm listening to the radio. And the radios talk about their podcast that they have. Now, I can't remember for the life of me what the show was, but they went on and said, give, give us a five-star rating. No, I'm not telling you to give me a five-star rating. I'm telling you to give me a rating out of five stars, not a five-star rating. There's a little difference there. If you hate it, I, it don't bother me. It really hurt my feelings. If you, I mean, it would hurt a little bit. I'm not saying that I'm like a, a robot or anything, but I know... Deep down, that my intellect is so much higher than everybody else's that's listening to this, that it does not bother me because I am talking to mere mortals here. I am. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you know what? You can give it a one star rating out of that. I don't really care. But yeah, give it a one star rating if you want. Two, three, four, five doesn't bother me. Leave a description of why though, so I can at least <laughs> at least try to fix it. And if you couldn't tell, that was supposed to be funny. If it wasn't funny. I apologize. And you can bash me for not being funny. That's well. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what is going to be fun? Maybe not funny, but the national championship. The national championship is on Monday. So I got to give a round of applause for the national championship game. It's going to be awesome. And we are going to give a little bit more of a description going into the game on Monday's show because, you know, the show will come out before the game actually happens. And I don't know about you. I, I think I share this sentiment with a lot of people out there, a lot of college football fans, a lot of football fans in general have this sentiment. The college football championship game should not be played on a freaking Monday. I don't know why that's been a thing or when that started, but the college football championship game should get moved to a Saturday like a normal football game. And it's not like an, on a good Monday where it's like, oh, no one's working this day. No, it's the 10th day of January. We were back in school when the national championship was going on in elementary school. Like, I I, could, I was never allowed to watch the national championship game growing up because it went on too late. The game starts so freaking late, it makes it almost impossible to watch. Now, back then, it seemed like it was really late. It's 7 o'clock, not really that late. But when you're a kid going to elementary school, parents are like, ah, yeah, yeah, get to bed. Like, the first national championship game I remember seeing any part of was Florida versus Ohio State. And if I went to I went to bed that night with Ohio State winning the game, <laughs> they returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Now, if you don't know what national championship that game is, 
let's just say uh, Ohio State did not win, and uh, Florida ended up winning 42-14. to But I went to bed thinking that Ohio State won the game. They were at least winning when I went to bed. And then later on along the line, I think the next actual championship game I actually remember staying up the entirety for is, I think, Oklahoma-Florida with Sam Bradford and Tim Tebow. It was either that one or the Texas-Alabama game with Colt McCoy getting hurt on the first like first drive of the game and Garrett Gilbert had to come in for Texas the year Mark Ingram won the Heisman Trophy. So what was that, 2009, 2010? One of those years. Florida-Oklahoma was around that same time period, though, too, because Tim Tebow obviously... Got drafted in the first round. That uh, was it. That following year, no, they forget that. Florida lost to Cincinnati or beat Cincinnati. They lost to Alabama. Alabama went to the national championship beat, game, beat Texas. Florida played Tony Pike in Cincinnati in the Orange Bowl or Sugar, Sugar Bowl with Marty Gilliard and Tony Pike, the six foot seven tall quarterback and freaking LSU legend, Southern accent enthusiast Brian Kelly as the head coach of Cincinnati. So if you didn't know that, congratulations. You're a couple a couple things smarter. I don't know what kind of range we're working with here, but you're a little bit smarter than what you were before. Will that help you in everyday life? No. Will people be impressed if you just randomly blurted out, hey, did you know that Florida, Oklahoma, Ohio, geez, okay. Did you know that Ohio State returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown against Florida in the national championship and lost 42 to 14? Whoa random person that's really cool information where did you learn that and then you turn to the camera and go i learned that from the logan blackman show thumbs up there's the ad okay run it that's what we're gonna do from now on but this national championship game should be a fun one because not often it does happen every once in a while but it's not often that two teams that have already played each other are playing again in the national championship game and this is the second time that i can remember anyways the floor or geez I got Florida on my mind. Georgia and Alabama have met each other in the national championship game. Remember a few years ago, we had the infamous, you know, Jalen Hurts goes out there to start the game for Alabama, reigning SEC Offensive Player of the Year, like 17 touchdowns, one pick or something like that. And Georgia's beating the crap out of him. With Jake from State Fromm on the starting quarterback for Georgia. Like, Georgia's winning the natty. Every single hurt feeling ever in Georgia by Georgia and Atlanta sports was about to be lifted. And then this guy named Tua Tagovailoa comes in and throws a game-winning touchdown pass to Devontae Smith in overtime to win the game. Now, this game's a little different. This game's a little different because uh, Georgia was seen, going into the SEC Championship game, was seen as the most unbeatable team in the nation. No one is beating Georgia. No one. Their defense is unstoppable. They have beaten everybody by double digits this season, including Michigan, the reigning number one team in the nation, according to some people. <laughs> They've killed everybody this year. Like, here's other than Clemson, who they beat 10 to 3, here's their games. They won 57 7, 40 to 13, 62 0, 37 0 against Arkansas, which is supposed to be a somewhat competitive game that I was falsely, I falsely believed that narrative. Then we had Auburn. 34 to 10, 30 to 13, 34 7, 43 6, 41 17, 46, 56 to 7, and then 45 nothing. Alabama lost to freaking Texas AM. What? They struggled against Florida. Huh? They barely beat LSU. They struggled against Arkansas, a team Georgia that just beat 34 nothing. Alabama's got nothing on this Georgia team. 
we're going to see freaking Okie State in the college football playoff. And then everything changed when Alabama routed Georgia. Like, it was never a close affair. 41-24. Brutalized. Bryce Young, this was his Heisman moment. If you were looking for the game where Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy, it was this game. 421 yards passing with three touchdowns, no picks, with also 40 yards on the ground and a touchdown there. This was his game. This was his Heisman game. Like before, I remember a few weeks ago, we talked about players' Heisman moments. Like Bryce Young is the best quarterback in college football. We knew that. We said that going into the season. Or at least one of them, because Spencer Rattler, you know, phased out pretty quick. But he was number two, right behind Spencer Rattler. Right before the season started. And after Rattler phased out at Oklahoma, and basically after week one when Oklahoma struggled against Tulane, then we saw Bryce Young become the best quarterback in college football. And it stayed the same throughout the rest of the year. Apart from, like, you know, the odd person saying it was Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett or the late season surgeons of C.J. Stroud. But 90% of people you talked to about college football said C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young was the guy. But you couldn't think of that one game where it was like, oh, yeah, that's the game Bryce Young won the Heisman. Like, even Aiden Hutchinson, you had the game against Ohio State. He had three sacks. Like, that's his Heisman moment. Kenneth Walker had one as well. It was against it was against Michigan. Like every these one of these players had this Heisman moment that everybody was looking for. And Bryce Young put up some really good numbers. I guess you could say the Arkansas game, 559 yards, five touchdowns. Maybe that was his Heisman moment. Maybe the the late game heroics against Auburn, not necessarily the entire game, but the late game of heroics against Auburn. And then you dominate the number one team in the nation. The team that was seen as unbeaten, unbeat to bowl, that Alabama had no chance against. They were underdogs. Alabama was dogs in this game. And then Alabama beats them by four, beats them 41 to 24. Brutalized them. And then people were talking about, people went over Reaction City and started saying Baylor and Notre Dame should make the college football playoff over the previously seen as the unbeatable Georgia Bulldogs. Remember when that was a thing? Baylor, a team that lost to TCU, was going to make the college football playoff. They were going to jump seven spots, or six spots. Where were they ranked? I think uh, they were 10th or 9th or 10th, I don't remember. So five spots, up to four. After beating the fifth-ranked team in the nation, they were going to jump that high. No, that was never happening. But people were like, oh, they won their conference championship. Who the hell cares? If they played against Georgia, they would get killed, murdered, like worse than what Alabama did to Georgia. They wouldn't put 24 points on Georgia. Baylor, hell no. And then Notre Dame. What? Do we need to go over again how Notre Dame started the season? I know you can get better as the season goes on, but they were never any fun to watch. They were never good, like amazing team. They were the most, next to Oregon, when they were ranked at the top four, for that first college football playoff rankings, we talked about they were the most overrated team in college football, and that proved it. After they got shit stomped by Utah twice, that kind of proved it. But Notre Dame is right up there with them. Notre Dame got annihilated by Cincinnati. Like, it was a double-digit game, and it probably could have been worse. I think it was like 26-14 or something was the final in that game. It could have been worse than that. It was not a good game at all. Now, you struggled against Florida State, a team that lost to Jacksonville State. Then you almost lost to Toledo at home. You struggled at times against Purdue. You somehow brutalized Wisconsin. Out of the four teams you played at the start, Wisconsin's the one that you killed out. 
Uh, you struggled against Virginia Tech. You struggled against USC. You struggled against North Carolina. Like, these are not good football teams. Not one of them. <laughs> like, I think the best team on here record-wise is Purdue. <laughs> they won nine games. That's it. <laughs> like, North Carolina won six. The Navy won four, three or four. USC won five. Cincinnati, the best team you played, you lost to. Virginia Tech, I think, won six or seven. Florida State, I think, won six. These are not very good football teams. And this is the team that's going to play. This is the team that should play in the college football playoff over Georgia. Okay. Like, once Oklahoma State lost earlier that day, the SEC was guaranteed to have one. Alabama wasn't even dropping out of the top five after, out of the top four after Oklahoma State lost. That wasn't happening. Like, after that game happened, it was like, yep, it's it's all SC, it's two SEC teams. Now we just need to figure out if it's going to be Alabama at four, and we're going to get a rematch then at one and four, or Georgia's going to drop three. The Cincinnati was never moving up. You're, you're outside of a Power 5 conference. Yes, they went undefeated, but they did not have the best times against, like, Tulane and Tulsa. Like, these Navy, not very good football teams. I'm not taking anything away from Cincinnati. I don't want to take anything away. They went undefeated. They deserved to be there. But they weren't going to move up in the rankings past Georgia or Alabama. That wasn't happening. <laughs> like you beat a team that's previously seen as unstoppable, unbeatable, greatest defense in college football history, according to some. You should be the number one team in the nation if you beat them, especially if you beat them by double digits when you're a big underdog. Georgia was not dropping out of the top four. Since he wasn't moving up, Michigan wasn't moving because they killed a team that they were supposed to kill. They beat a team... <laughs> they had the largest spread out of any team in the conference championship weekend. Yes, they should have killed Iowa, and they did. And then they got brutalized against Georgia. And now the thing that everybody did not want to see, but it was inevitable once Oklahoma State lost, this matchup was going to happen regardless, we get Georgia-Alabama again. And this time it's for the national championship game, and uh, it'll be fun. I'm kind of surprised how, like, Heavily favored Georgia's? I haven't really seen a lot of people say Alabama's going to win this game. I really haven't. Every single thing I've seen, like Georgia's a favorite. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, Georgia's got a 58.4% chance to win. Like, is Georgia going to fix everything that had they had problems with the last time they played Alabama? I don't know. I don't know if I give Georgia that almost a 60% chance to beat Alabama. This is Alabama. <laughs> Now, I'm aware they're without John Mechie. That's going to be a big loss. John Mechie had a big game against Georgia last time they played. He had like 97 yards or something. Towards ACL. We'll see if, uh, what his draft status is, if he's going to the draft or not. Because I think if he comes back, he has a real shot of being the, uh, maybe not first, but one of the top receivers out the draft because obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be up there as well. Addison from Pitt is going to be up there as well. So you're going to have some people that are going to be in that conversation, but he could definitely be a first rounder. I don't even think if he was healthy, he would have been a first rounder this year. Because there's at least six wide receivers better than him. And that is in no real order. Jameis Williams, Traymon, Traylon Burks, uh, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jahan Dotson. Those, those six are better than John Mechie, regardless if he has a torn ACL or not. So with the torn ACL, he could drop behind the likes of David Bell, um, George Pickens, uh, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, even Romeo Dubs from Nevada. So we'll have to see. I, if I'm Mechie, 
I would come back. Because I think he's a junior. So I would come back. You get a chance to play with Bryce Young, who I think could possibly be the the second ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner along with Archie Griffin. I think he has a real shot at doing that. So come back with him. I would just do the same thing again. Run it back. Try to go three times in a row. Because honestly, I think Alabama will win it again. Like, Georgia beat a team that's very similar to them in the form of Michigan. Like, Michigan has a good defense. Very defensive-oriented. They have some star players on defense. Like, Georgia, you have Jordan Davis. You have N'Kobe Dean. You have, like, Darion Kendrick. You have Trayvon Walker, Trevon Walker. You have Devontae Wyatt, Channing Tindall. Like, you have some really good players. Lewis Sign, Tyke Smith. Like, you have some really good players on this Georgia defense. Michigan, you have, like, some Daxton Hill just announced he's going to the NFL. Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, good players on Michigan's defense right there. And then he got on offense, they're a run-heavy offense with likes of James Cook and Zymir White, and then uh, Michigan's got Hassan Haskins, they got Blake Corum. Like, they're a predominantly run-heavy team, their quarterback's a question mark. Like Cade McNamara and Stetson Bennett. Who's going to make the less mistakes, and that's the team that's going to win? Now, <laughs> Michigan got brutalized, as we said, but can Georgia, I know Stetson Bennett played well against Michigan. I know he played well. He had three touchdowns in the game. I'm pretty sure he was the player of the game. I could be wrong, but Michigan is not better than Alabama. Alabama beat Georgia by this, almost the same amount of points as Georgia beat Michigan. <laughs> so I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm kind of, I'm just really surprised how many people like in the national media, People on social media and ESPN on here on their website are saying Georgia is pretty much guaranteed to win. Is anybody else really surprised by this? Because I kind of am. Maybe I should be wrong. Maybe I should be thinking that Georgia's way better than what I think they are. I don't know. Because Will Anderson's really good. We're talking about defensive players. Jordan Battle's really good. Christian Harris is really good. Henry Toa is very good for Alabama. Josh Job's very good, the cornerback out there. Like, Alabama's no slouch on defense, and that was their big bash when they played Georgia, that their defense isn't very good. Fedarian Mathis on the inside is also a very good D-tackle. DJ Dale is also in there. Like, you've got some very, very nice players on Alabama's defense that kind of got brushed aside when they played Georgia. Like, in all actuality, Will Anderson should have been in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony, along with Bryce Young. I'm not saying he should have won it, but he had the third most first-place votes. I think he had more of a say to go there than C.J. Stroud did. And I like C.J. Stroud, but I would have rather seen Will Anderson there. At least have five people there. Will Anderson came fifth. I think he deserved a shot to at least be in New York. He wasn't going to win it. Probably wasn't even going to go second over Hutchinson, even though some of his numbers are better than Hutchinson. When I say some, I mean probably most of his numbers are better than Hutchinson. But I think he deserved it. And next year, I think it's between really him and Bryce Young for the number one overall player in the draft for the 2023 class. It's between those two. And whoever has the first overall pick, if they need a quarterback or if they need an, if they don't need a quarterback, they're taking Anderson. If they do, they need Bryce, they're taking Bryce Young or they're trading back. Like there's a few things guaranteed in the draft. I think that's as close to a guarantee as we can get that Will Anderson or Bryce Young will go number one overall. So I don't know. I d- can Georgia keep up with them? That's the problem. I don't know if they can. Now, I think Alabama will win. I don't think it will be as wide of a margin as it was last time. I'm not even really saying Alabama's going to score 41 points again. But what I am saying is 
are we really going to sleep on Bama again? We did this a couple weeks ago on December 4th or whenever the conference championship game was. Uh, we slept on them back then. We're doing it again? If I had to make a prediction right now, I would go... And we're going to talk about this more. Come on Monday's show, so we'll, we'll talk about it a little more. But I'm going to go with like 24-21 to 21 or 24-20 or something. Alabama. I think that's what the score will be. Maybe even 28-20. to 28-20 Alabama. And I think Georgia will score a garbage time touchdown. And then try to go for two and miss it. So 20-28 Alabama. I just have a hard time moving past Alabama like that. I've watched Alabama a lot over my lifetime. And a lot of you out there have. And a lot of people hate Alabama just because of the fact they win. And that pisses me off a little bit. Not like, oh, God, you guys have to like Alabama. But it's, it's kind of stupid. Why you hate Alabama because they win. And I brought this up on the show before. There's no reason us in Iowa should be hating the University of Alabama just because they win. Because Lord knows our teams here ain't close to competing with Alabama. Like we talked about on Saturday or on New Year's Day. Watch Georgia beat our New Year's Eve, I guess. Watch Georgia beat up on Michigan. And some of my friends were talking. I was like, well, if Iowa beat Michigan, we were close to going here. Which in reality, no, they weren't. They were like 13th when they got smacked by Michigan. But I turned to them and was like, the team that just beat Iowa 42-3 to is losing to Georgia 27-3. to <laughs> So I think this game would be going a little bit worse if Iowa somehow managed to move from 13 to 4. I, <laughs> it would have been a funny jump. But hey, it could have happened, I guess. Thank the Lord it didn't need to have two bowl, big-time bowl games where Iowa gets embarrassed at. Got embarrassed in the Rose Bowl. Now I got to go get embarrassed in whatever bowl game Georgia played Michigan. Was it the, the Cotton Bowl? Or is that what Alabama played? Or they play in the the, pe- the the Peach Bowl? Is that what Georgia played in? They play in the Peach Bowl? I think that's right. Georgia played in the Peach Bowl. Alabama played in the, the Cotton Bowl. But yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game. Really looking forward to this game. I really don't... I have no dog in the fight. Like, really? Does it bother me who wins this game? No. I, I really don't care. But I, I think Alabama will win. I like their quarterback more. If you have two teams that are very evenly matched, like these two teams kind of are, I know Alabama's defense isn't as like statistically as dominant as Georgia's was, but we talk about some of the players Bama has like we just did a little bit ago. They got some ballers on that defensive side of the ball, and people are kind of just brushing them aside. They got Evan Neal on the offensive line. Georgia doesn't have an Evan Neal on their O-line. They have no one near that. Like, Slyler is going to be the first lineman taken from Georgia, and he might be a second-round pick. Might be. So there's a very solid chance he slips all the way to the third round. Because this O-line class is pretty damn solid. <laughs> so there's a chance he falls that far. Georgia's O-line ain't that great. If you're looking at the running backs, would you rather have James Cook, Zamir White, or Brian Robinson? All do different things. James Cook's a little better of a receiver than Brian Robinson is. But you can make an argument if we're talking about just running backs. You'd probably take Brian Robinson with how dominant he's been running the ball for Bama. He dominated in the Cincinnati game. Looking at wide receivers, George Pickens or Jamison Williams? What the hell? Of course you're taking Jamison Williams. Even Bowers. <laughs> Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams is the number one wide receiver in college football. You're not taking him. He's not going behind anybody. Like, Jamison Williams is, if you, oh, wait, well, would you take this wide? No, I'd take Jamison Williams. 
Would you take Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end for Alabama, or Georgia's, who I am unaware of? Is it Bowers? I'd be kind of sad if it was Bowers, and I just said I don't know who it is. It is Bowers. <laughs> okay. Brock Bowers or Jaleel Billingsley? You take Billingsley. Alabama's O-line versus Georgia's. You take Alabama's. Quarterback, you take Bama's. Linebackers, you take Georgia's. D-line, you take Georgia's. Secondary, take Georgia's. So it's basically just a really good offense versus a really good defense. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But moving on from college football playoff, we got some big-time NFL games coming up this weekend. Big, big-time with big, big-time implications here. And the most interesting one here is the one that's been circulating my social media feed throughout the entire week. And I'm, I'm sure most of, if not all of you, have seen this on your social media page at one point or another. And that is the fact that if the Colts lose the Jaguars, the Chargers and Raiders realistically could just tie and both of them make the playoffs and the Colts are eliminated. Which, in the reality in which we live in right now, where the Colts, apart from last week, were looking really, really good, I'd rather have the Chargers or the Raiders how up and down they could be from time to time. Colts usually are pretty straightforward. They got beat by the Raiders. They're usually pretty straightforward. If Carson Wentz plays well enough... They'll win games. And that scares me. The Bills played the Colts in the playoffs last year, and I didn't want to play them in the playoffs then. I don't really want to play them now, but the Bills, it looks like they're lined up to play the Patriots, regardless of they win on Sunday or not. Because the thing with the Bills and Patriots this season is that they're both got the same record, but the Patriots lost the Dolphins week one. So as we stand right now, the Bills hold the keys to the AFC East. So if they beat the Jets on Sunday, which they, I mean, realistically they should, but you never know nowadays. They'll win the division regardless of what happens to the Patriots and Dolphins. But going down to Miami, the Patriots have struggled recent years of going down to Miami and playing the Dolphins. Regardless of how good the Patriots are, or regardless of how good the Dolphins are, the Dolphins always play the Patriots tough down in Miami. Like, if I had to make a prediction, I would say the Bills win, but I'm not going to, I'm not placing a bet on it or anything. The last bet I made on a Bills game was the Jaguars game. I ain't touching that again. I'm never <laughs> saying uh, pick this game ever again. Don't do that. But we got some games on Saturday. Those games are more on Sunday. So we got the Chiefs and Broncos and Cowboys Eagles. The Eagles and Cowboys are already in the playoffs. Cowboys clinched the division, so it really doesn't change anything there. Broncos ain't making it, and Chiefs already won the division. So there's that. Nothing really too exciting on Saturday. And then we got the Bengals-Browns, which is basically just the backup bowl. No one's really playing in that game. Uh, Packers-Lions. I would like to see the Lions win, but realistically, it probably ain't happening with how dominant the Packers have been over the Lions in my entire lifetime. I know Aaron Rodgers probably won't play. He has been practicing, but I don't, we'll see if he plays or not. It's against the Lions. He might play a little bit, but they're the number one seed. They got it locked up. Nothing really to play for. Give Jordan Love a start again. Let him play against the Lions. Then we got the Bears-Vikings. Yuck. Then we got Washington football team taking on the New York Giants. Colts-Jags, we already talked about. Steelers-Ravens which could be kind of fun, even though it's not very, you know, as per where both teams are really, really good. Then we got Titans, Texans, Saints, Falcons, Niners, Rams, Patriots, Dolphins, Seahawks, Cardinals, Panthers, Bucks. We got Bills, Jets, and Chargers, Raiders. So we got some fun ones on, on tap for Sunday. We got a lot of implications going on here. But an interesting game here that we kind of brushed past a little bit. It's not really the game itself. It's the team involved. The Titans, Texans. So right now, the Texans have are in the driver's seat for the number one seed in the playoffs for the AFC. 
and that none of you would have probably thought that was imaginable with how many things they've had, how many injuries they've had, how bad they've been hit with COVID, the loss of the Jets. Like, all these things seemed like it was a it was not going to happen, yet here they are. And it's really crazy because if Josh Allen didn't slip against the Titans or the Bills had their starting left tackle, Taylor Decker in, or not Taylor Decker, who was it? Taylor Lewan in at left tackle, they would have won the game, and we'd be talking about the Bills sitting as the number one seed in the playoffs right now. And obviously that's a Joe, that's a Chris Broussard thing. Remember when Chris Broussard said the Bills didn't have Taylor Lewan in, and they had the scrub uh, Dawkins or whatever his name is, and one of them's a Pro Bowl or one of them's not. And Dawkins recently, and the Bills' old line in general, uh, that Patriots game and the Falcons game, this has been the two best games they have played all season. Bar none. Easily the two best games they played all season. Ryan Bates has been a solid inclusion in the starting lineup for the Bills' O-line. Dawkins has been playing very, very well. Statistically, we're talking about pressures allowed. This is Dawkins' best season of his career. Now we're starting to get the interior O-line figured out. Ryan Bates has been playing really well recently. Then you've got uh, Darrell Williams playing decent at right guard. Still not great, but better. And Spencer Brown's been really good at right tackle, which has been a pretty common thing apart from which game was it a few weeks ago where he had five penalties? I don't remember. It was a couple weeks ago. But the O-line's playing better. Devin Singletary's playing a lot better. And it's not really that Devin Singletary was playing bad. It was the Bills' game planning was also really bad, where it went to, we're going to run the ball to establish the pass. And I think in the second half of that Bucks game, the Bills set up the run by passing the ball. And Devin Singletary, in these past three or four games, has been playing very, very well. What you're expecting from a number one running back. That's what you were wanting, and he's been playing like that. And I'm excited for the playoffs. Like, the Bills are going to get, they have Cole Beasley back, which is awesome. Uh, hopefully Emmanuel Sanders gets back soon, but Gabe Davis has been playing really well. Dawson Knox didn't do anything last week, but hopefully he gets more involved against the Jets. I mean, Stephon Diggs, we already know about Stephon Diggs. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the playoffs. If you were to told, ask me a few weeks ago what my thoughts were on the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, I would have been a little bit more nervous than what I am sitting here right now. I have a whole different view on everything. That Patriots game, the second half against the Bucks, that has changed my mindset on this Bills season. Where now, I honestly think, if the Titans hold on to that number one seed in the AFC, in my opinion, that is best case scenario for the Buffalo Bills. That is by far best case scenario. I don't want to go to Arrowhead. That I mean, that's, the possibility is still there, but I don't really want the Bills to go to Arrowhead. And to go, like, let's say, well, I guess the Bills... We'll play the Titans anyway, so I guess <laughs> unless the someone beats the Bengals or the Chiefs. But I don't know. I, I like the Titans being the one seed. I do like that. And it's crazy for me to say the fact that the Bills beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead and lost the Titans in Nashville. But I don't know. I, I've got a weird feeling about that. And I'm not sitting here and saying the Bills could go on and win the Super Bowl because I still think they're going to need some pieces back and need some, you know, a touch-up in some places, mainly on the offensive line. But... If Josh Allen's playing as Josh Allen is, they can beat anybody. I'm 100% confident in saying that. I think the Bills could honestly beat anybody <laughs> if Josh Allen keeps playing like this. And we know he can. Because like we said last game, last show, the question isn't whether or not Josh Allen's a top five quarterback in the NFL. That, that debate's done. The question is now, is Josh Allen a top three quarterback in the NFL? That's the debate that people are going to have to start having around here. Because Josh Allen is the Bills, and if they keep running the ball like they have, if they keep protecting him like they have these past couple of games, this team can win. 
The defense is the number one defense in the league. Even with Tredavious White going down, Dane Jackson has played his ass off since stepping into the starting cornerback spot for the Buffalo Bills. That's what they needed. I was so scared for that, and Dane Jackson's played awesome. Like, the defense is playing like the defense should and how the defense has been playing this year. Like, it's crazy. Bills have one of the top offenses in the NFL and the number one defense. That's crazy. And while we're on the topic of, like, number ones and number twos and all that stuff, Coach of the Year has been brought up. And I saw this on Twitter. It was Pro Football Focus, which, you know, we're very hit and miss with Pro Football Focus nowadays. Like, Pro Football Focus, I like their, like, in-depth stats. Like, you look at most touchdowns from over 10 yards, most touchdowns over 20 yards, or most receiving yards in man coverage, or most tackles in this sort of situation. I like that stuff. Their player grades, I'm not a massive fan of. And I, that all stems from them saying Duck Hodges, you know, quarterback that's not in the NFL anymore, was better than Josh Allen. So we're going to, I'm very wishy-washy with pro football focus. But they released a thing on Twitter, when was this? At one o'clock today and said, who should win coach of the year? And then I generally agree with all these coaches. Like, let's we'll start at the top, like Matt, Matt LaFleur. One of the best coaches that we're talking about in a three-year span in NFL history, Matt LaFleur is one of the best coaches of all time. Just in that, we're just talking about specifically record. Matt LaFleur has been awesome with Green Bay. Frank Reich, for how the Colts started the year to how they've been playing recently and how they've retooled their offense to go Jonathan Taylor, Frank Reich deserves to be there. Bill Belichick, I mean, the Patriots were one game away from winning the division and realistically could still win that on Monday, on Sunday with a Bills loss and a Patriots win against the Dolphins. And all the players they signed in the Saucy could be honestly up there for GM of the year. And then you got Mike Vrabel, number one seed in the AFC. Number one, with all the injuries they've had, their best player's been out for a majority of the season. A.J. Brown, then you've had Julio Jones out. Defense has been hurt all year. And they're the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, he definitely deserves a shot. Zach Taylor, the Bengals are supposed to finish last in the AFC North this year. They won the division with one of the most exciting offenses in the NFL. And I saw this on Twitter. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow dominated college. Now they're dominating the NFL. If that doesn't show you how dominant that LSU Tigers team was a few years ago, I don't know what will. Like, those were their three best players, and they're dominant in college, and they're dominant in the NFL. And Joe Burrow and most of the Bengals players, unsurprisingly, are not playing this Sunday against the Browns, which should be the case. Then you got Cliff Kingsbury. You know I'm not a massive fan of Cliff Kingsbury. I've bashed him pretty much ever since he's been in the NFL. Basically, my opinion on Cliff Kingsbury is probably that he's the new Mike McCarthy, where he has a very talented quarterback, and that'll take him very far, but he's not really that good of a coach. Like, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers, so the Packers were really good. Mike McCarthy has Dak Prescott. They're good. Not really good, but they're good. I think that's the kind of vibes I get from Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Look at their offense. How many star players they have on their offense. I don't know if Cliff wings without those, without Kyler Murray there. And then we got John Harbaugh. I, I always love John, Har- John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is one of my favorite coaches of all time. He should always be mentioned in that. The last one on here I got a little bit of an issue with. And I've defended this person on a few occasions here on the Logan Blackman Show. Which, again, you can go follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But it's, my, it's Brian Flores. And on one hand, I kind of understand where they came from. On the other hand, I do not at all. Like, the Dolphins, yes, okay, they won seven straight games. But do we not forget that they lost seven straight games after starting the season off 1-0? I don't care if they're 500 now. Brian Flores should not be in the conversation for Coach of the Year. 
they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you, I don't care if you went on a seven-game win streak. You went on a seven-game losing streak in the same breath. Yeah, I mean, hey, if they beat the Patriots, I mean, right now, Brian Flores is keeping the Bills the number one seed in the AFC East. So I'm, I'm cool with Brian Flores generally, but coach of the year, coach of the year, they were their first, the Jaguars' first win in over a year. What? <laughs> I know they beat the Ravens, but the other teams they beat in that winning streak they had, the Texans, Jets, Panthers, Giants, Jets again, and the injured Saints with Ian Book at quarterback. And they got shit stomped by the Titans, 34-3. <laughs> like, they didn't really beat anybody in that stretch apart from the Ravens. So am I giving him the coach of the year? No, he's uh, actually a dead last in that category for those coaches. And I might sound like a homer, but if you're the head coach of a team that has <laughs> the number one defense in the NFL, okay? Number one. Number one defense in the NFL. And then the top five offense, you should be in the conversation for coach of the year. Really should. The Bills didn't go on a seven-game losing streak. Granted, they did not go on a seven-game win streak, so I guess you could hold that against me. The Bills also lost to the Jaguars. Maybe you can hold that against me. But there was points before the Dolphins' win streak that they were one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Brian Flores being a defensive guy, that shouldn't happen, regardless if the Dolphins are in a bad state or in a good state at the time. That should not happen. Brian Flores should not be on this list at all. I'm not saying Sean McDermott should win Coach of the Year, but he deserve, he has way more of a reason to be on this list than Brian Flores does. And I'm starting to understand, well, I, I've kind of always understood this because it's kind of funny. I think Sean Payton should be honestly mentioned up there with how many injuries they've had this year at the Saints. But I, I for like national media outlets, the number one thing to do is get clicks. That's generally the most important thing. It's not really about being right or wrong now. It's about which will get the most attention, which is the ter it's a terrible way and which we're going right now in regards to delivering media out to the public, whether it's sports media, news media, whatever. It's awful. That's the reality which we live in. When these guys post things, I think they know that Bills fans will flood their mentions and it'll get a whole hell of a lot more attention because it's getting a lot more responses. It's getting a lot more retweets, a lot more quote tweets. People are seeing the tweet, even though, is it factually right? No. But that's the kind of reality in which we live in. <laughs> that's just how I take it because I see all these takes about Josh Allen that are asinine and just not true at all to the point where, okay, this has to be bait. It has to be bait. There's no way these guys actually believe it. No way. <laughs> like, I'm not sitting here and saying I've seen anybody on Twitter or anything ever say Derek Carr is better than Josh Allen, but I have a friend that said it. I'm not going to name names because it's not too great for him. But I even told him, there is no way you actually believe that. <laughs> no way. And I really have no issue with Derek Carr. But when he got overrated the point preseason where he got called elite, that's where we had a problem with it. <laughs> I have no issue with Derek Carr. Well, we had Zach and Dan on the show earlier this year, or I guess last year, we talked about Derek Carr being one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, or one of the more underappreciated. That doesn't mean you go from underappreciated to elite. That's kind of the same thing that happened to Matt Stafford. But I would take Matt Stafford over Derek Carr. Like, Matt Stafford got so underrated to the point where, I would, wow, this dude's really overrated. <laughs> I love Matthew Stafford, but, yeah, I think that's just that's just the reality in which we live in right now. While we're on the topic of coaches, like, look at all these transitions we got going on. It just keeps flowing so fast and furious. 
which I need to still watch all of them. We still, I, I've gone through most of the movies. Now we're on number nine. I need to, we need to get together and watch the ninth one. But Black Monday's coming up. And for those of you who are unaware of what Black Monday is, it is where basically it's firing day in the NFL. It's the day after the regular season. And Black Monday is where all the bad coaches get fired. And since it's Friday, I wanted to do this before Black Monday because I wanted to get a, a jump start on this. Because I wanted to try, I mean, this season, I guess it's not too hard to predict. There's not a lot of coach that are getting fired this offseason. It's not really a lot. Like last year, we had a whole hell of a lot of openings. We had like the Chargers, Texans, we had the the Jaguars, we had, what other teams did we have openings for? The Jets, we had the Lions. There's more, but I can't, I'm just completely blanking right now. I don't know why. But there's not a lot. I would say guaranteed there's four possibilities. Like, there's four that you would know, yes, this is happening or has a possibility of happening. Five, I would be pushing for. But I think the five teams that we'll mention here are the Jags, Broncos, Raiders, Bears, and Vikings. I think those are the five that we'll have the most discussions about for teams moving off their head coaches. I know, like, dark horses, you can have, like, Seattle in there. You could have, I mean, if you want to go crazy, San Francisco. Without inconsistent, they are under Kyle Shanahan. Maybe they're thinking about it. I'm not saying they should, but maybe they are. Doubt it, but maybe. The Texans, I don't really think you can fire David Coley. I mean, he was put in a terrible situation. It's not really his fault. No one wants to go down to Houston. You hired him because no one else wanted to go there. You're not going to get a similar situation. You're going to get the exact same thing this year. Maybe Brian Dable because he's worked with the GM of the Texans. So maybe that's who they'll get, but I don't. I don't know. But for this, I think Daryl Bevel's not getting his job back. This dude we talked about a few weeks ago. He'll, get, he'll go on a coaching staff of a coach that's guaranteed to get fired at some point and then be an interim head coach and then not get the head coaching job. That's just what his career is. The Broncos, this one's more up and down. I don't really – this is the one I'm least confident about. The Broncos, Vic Fangio, is, I just don't really like him as a head coach. Like this offense – and de- this, this team has so much more talent than being this bad. But I understand – quarterback has not been great quarterback situation is not ideal and they tried to get quarterbacks this offseason didn't work tried then they got teddy as a stopgap and still is not working very well it's very bad (laughs) it's not it's very hard to watch the defense is fun offense is pretty bad so i i would say he's definitely in the conversation raiders i'll talk about them in a little bit matt Nagy, i mean he should have been fired a few years ago so he surprised he's lasted this long and mike zimmer i mean the vikings have too much talent they're the most talented team on this list and yet, every year it is about, can the Vikings make the playoffs? So, will they get it all together? No, the question should be how far the, can the Vikings go in the playoffs, not can they make it? You have so many good players on this team to where it should be insane to talk about them possibly missing the playoffs. Mike Zimmer has done a nice job with the Vikings, but his time has come. And there's some interesting head coaching candidates this offseason. There's always good catch coaching candidates. Uh, there's going to be one that comes out of nowhere that no one expected to get hired, like David Coley. But I don't think there's a situation like the Texans this offseason or Urban Meyer, coach coming from college. But we'll get to that one in a little bit, too. But for the Jaguars, we've talked about this one before. I want the Jaguars to hire Brian, Byron Leftwich. I think Byron Leftwich would be a great addition to the Jaguars because I think he's perfect for what Trevor Lawrence is. He's worked with Tom Brady in Tampa. I'm not saying he's done a lot, but he worked with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. So he's got to have, he's got to have absorbed some sort of football knowledge there. Former Jaguars quarterback. He was drafted very early, 
by the Jaguars, so he should know where Trevor Lawrence is coming from. He's a young, offensive-minded head coach that knows the organization. I would go after him if I'm the Jaguars. David Caldwell, or not David Caldwell, Jim Caldwell, former Colts and Lions coach, he would be another candidate up there. Offensive-minded coach would definitely help change the culture in Jacksonville, but I would love to see a guy like Byron Leftwich. I would love to see Byron. I said Byron Leftwich should have gotten the Jaguars job last year, and now we're sitting here again. I still think he should get the job. Denver, this is if Vic Fangio gets fired, I think Eric Bieniemy would be a perfect guy for them. For a team that's defense is relatively solid right now, they need someone in there that's offensive-minded. And Eric Bieniemy has worked with George Payton in the past. Remember, George Payton was a part of the Minnesota Vikings organization, and Eric Bieniemy was part of the organization as well. Another thing is he went to College of Colorado. He's from the Bolt in front, went in Colorado. Denver, if you didn't know, is in Colorado. So <clears throat> I would look at someone like Eric Bieniemy if I'm the uh, the Broncos. Young offense, good pieces, get an offensive-minded head coach in there. Not Josh McDaniels. Don't do that one again. But Eric Bieniemy, I think, would be a lot of fun from there. Uh, played in the state. Worked with George Payton before. I think it all makes sense. Young offensive-minded head coach. Works. Raiders, I think they keep Rich Bisaccia. I think with how much drama has been around this situation for the Raiders this offseason, or just this season with the John Gruden thing, the players getting arrested, like Henry Ruggs killing somebody, Damon Arnett getting arrested, and then they got uh, Hobbs, their young corner, just getting arrested for a DUI as well. There's so much drama around this team right now, and they have rallied around Rich Bisaccia. So I'm going to say they keep him if they can't get the guy that I think is going to the Bears. The guy I think is going to the Bears is John is Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. If Jim Harbaugh ever left Michigan, this was it. His stock has not been higher than this point apart from when he first got the Michigan job. This is his highest stock he'll be. Or maybe when he got the 49ers job to begin with from Stanford. John Harbaugh went to the Big Ten Championship game, went to the College World Playoff, did what Michigan fans had wanted him to do, and now he can go back like he did with the Michigan thing. Go back to where he's familiar with. He played for the Bears. He has a lot of respect for the Bears organization. Offensive-minded coach, former quarterback. So have a guy like them for with him for Justin Fields, I think would be awesome. I think Kellen Moore would also be a strong candidate here because Charles Davis who's an analyst for the NFL Network and CBS, he compared, when Justin Fields got drafted, he compared Justin Fields to Dak Prescott. Kellen Moore has been the office coordinator of Dak Prescott's for the past few seasons. He even played with Dak Prescott before he got hurt and Dak took over and you know became the starting quarterback. But I know Bears fans would probably get a little uneasy on that because they took a young, hot shot off as a coordinator before and it didn't really work out. But I love Kellen Moore. I will always defend Kellen Moore. He's my favorite college quarterback of all time out of the side outside the state of Iowa. I would like Kellen Moore there, but I think John Harbaugh would also be perfect here. Or Jim Hart. No, Jim Harbaugh. I think this one would be perfect here. Jim Harbaugh going back to Chicago. And then the Vikings, my friends want Kellen Moore. I think the more realistic one's Doug uh, geez, Doug Peterson. Yeah, offensive-minded coach. He will establish a culture there, reestablish a culture there in Minnesota, which is something that's been kind of fading recently. Offensive-minded head coach. He's had success in the NFL before with the Eagles. Now, I don't know if there would be a lot of turmoil there with Vikings fans because of the fact he was the coach of the Eagles team that slacked the Vikings in the NFC Championship game a few years ago. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. I think Doug Peterson would be very good for the Vikings. 
I also think Eric Bieniemy there because he's worked with the Vikings organization before, young offensive-minded head coach. Then you got Kellen Moore. This is not, the Vikings need an offensive-minded head coach. They need one. I just think Doug Peterson will get a shot in the NFL again. And I think the Vikings are the most likely to do that. To me. I could also see the Raiders doing that. I could see the Broncos doing that. I could see us flipping Eric Bieniemy and Doug Peterson around. But for right now, I'm going to stick Doug Peterson in Minnesota. So recap, I have Byron Leftwich going to the Jags. I have, if Vic Fangio's fired, which I thought he should have been last year, uh, Eric Bieniemy there, or Doug Peterson. Raiders keeping Rich Bisaccia. Bears getting John Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. Jeez, Jim Harbaugh. And the Vikings getting either Doug Peterson or Eric Bieniemy. That's why my prediction is at this point in time. Now, that's always subject to change, and Black Monday will be coming up. I wanted to get this out before Black Monday hit, before all the games ended, so we can re- re-look at this on Monday and go, oh, look at that. We knew this would happen. And there's always, like, one surprise firing. I would say Vic Fangio's kind of a surprise firing. The other surprise firing, I think, could be Matt Rule. I really think Matt Rule could be on the hot seat. His recent Jay-Z quote was kind of stupid, but... You never know. I like Matt Rule. I I think he's going <laughs> to, the way he's treating his quarterbacks kind of sucks. But I think if they'll go out and get Kenny Pickett, I think everything will get somewhat sorted out. Provo line, get Kenny Pickett, get McCaffrey back and healthy. I think everything should be working out there. But yeah, that's that's your head coaching search right now. And the coach that won coach of the year last year, I kind of forgot about this point until right now. The coach of the year last year was Kevin Stavansky. Because you turn the Browns around, you get them to the playoffs, you get them a playoff win, almost beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then this year, they stink. Browns are really bad. Browns are probably the biggest disappointment in the NFL this season. I know they had a lot of injuries. I know they had COVID issues. They're the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year. With expectations how high they were and how complete they were supposed to be, this team was supposed to be good. And there's a report that came out today that's not very surprising because we kind of talked about it on a Monday, Monday show. Or no, Wednesday show. Wednesday show. Baker Mayfield must resolve his differences with Kevin Stefanski soon in case they need to coexist next season. So apparently the report is Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield aren't really seeing eye to eye right now. Makes a ton of sense. The Browns are a very complete team. The one thing that's really messing up them right now is their inconsistent quarterback play. And Baker, of course, is on Twitter all the time. So he quoted the tweet and said it's basically clickbait, yada, 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 all that stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the Browns should move on for Baker anyways. And again, we'll repeat the same things we said on Wednesday's show. This is a similar thing to Trubisky over Mahomes and Watson. Mayfield over Allen and Lamar Jackson, it's the same thing. Because even then it was seen as a reach. At least Sam Darnold, it wasn't supposed to be seen as a reach. It didn't work out, but he was at least valued that high. Baker wasn't. Baker is generally seen as the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the draft class. <laughs> they took him first. So that's kind of the situation we're in. But I, again, I would trade for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's from Ohio. He listed the Browns as one of his candidates last year. I would go after Russell Wilson. And if Baker wants to trade, trade him out to Seattle. It works out. I'm not saying the Seahawks would necessarily want Russell Wil- or want Baker Mayfield, but get him a quarterback at least right away. They could get someone else in the draft or something. I don't know. Russell Wilson would be the perfect candidate to fix Cleveland Browns quarterback position and instantly, for the new Browns anyways, would be the greatest ever quarterback. It's like when Tom Brady went down to Tampa. Tom Brady instantly became the greatest quarterback in Bucks history before he even played a snap. For the Browns, I'm talking about the new Browns because obviously Otto Graham 
Bernie Kosar are the guys we were talking about for Browns quarterbacks, greatest Browns quarterbacks of all time. Otto, Gra- Otto Graham being the GOAT if we're talking about Browns quarterbacks. But Russell Wilson would be the GOAT easily of the new Browns, the 99 to 2021 Browns. Easily be the best quarterback they've ever had. Again, we're ta- talking about the earlier days. We're talking about the current Browns. So, yeah, it, the whole Baker Mayfield situation is going to be a fun one to watch. I'm very intrigued to see how that one transpires as the year goes on because uh, it doesn't look pretty. It does not look really pretty at this point in time. So, with that being said, that's all I've got for you today on this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know I said, at least I think I said this on Friday or on Wednesday's show, that we'd have draft prospect rankings. I'm going to wait till after the national championship game. No, no real reason. It's not like it's going to change anything. Like, I already said Jamison Williams is number one wide receiver in the draft. So, that really doesn't change anything. I mean, maybe Dakobe Dean goes to number one. Maybe... Lewis Sign moves up. Maybe Jordan Battle moves up. Maybe we got Evan Neal. I mean, Evan Neal's staying at number one. That's not really changed anything. Fedarian Mathis maybe moves up as well. Josh Job moves up. Brian Robinson maybe moves up. So it's got some things, but nothing that's going to sway my opinion really that vastly. But I, I would like to get more of my reasoning done before I actually post a blog post. So we'll get, we'll get that out soon enough. But with that, I'll see you all later. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll have a better preview for the National Championship or more. Another preview, I guess, for the National Championship, because this was kind of like, it's here. Just remind you <laughs> that it was here. So with that being said, I'll see you guys later. Make sure you're following me on all forms of social media, Twitter, Logan underscore Blackman, Instagram, Blackman Logan, and the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook, search Logan Blackman Show. Give it a thumbs up. So YouTube, search the same thing. Subscribe. And since you're listening to it right now, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and give us a rating out of five stars. Leave a description down below why. So... I'll see you all later. Have a good weekend. Peace.